kind of a sick school is this? I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. I love to celebrate from in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Hey! Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you have a home. A what? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey! I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello, good evening, and welcome to episode one of Then Is Now podcast, the podcast where we talk about pop culture of the past and how it relates to the present. We're going to show you all the cool stuff that you may or may not have missed out on. I'm your host, Rigor, and shortly, I'll be joined by Spencey Youngpiece. Now, uh, originally, I wanted to do a podcast about horror movies and monster movies, but there's so many good ones out there, so many superior ones doing it and doing them well, that I just wanted to give them a shout-out. I know it's probably kind of weird for us to mention on our very first show other podcasts, but these are ones that you should know about and you should listen to, because without them, we wouldn't be here right now. Those would be, in no particular order, The Nashy Cast with Rod Barnett and Troy Gwynn, where they talk about all things Paul Nashy, as well as The Bloody Pit, Rod's other podcast, which talks about all kinds of horror and sci-fi movies. Monster Kid Radio and 1951 Down Place with Derek Cook. Everything you always wanted to know about monster movies, and 1951 Down Place talks about all the films from Hammer Studios. So those are really fun and entertaining and informative as well. Uh, you got Cinema PsyOps with Matt and Court, where Court subjects Matt to these horrible movies and they try to figure out uh, what age a child should be able to watch these movies. And we've also got Planet Lumina with Rachel and Song, where they talk about one of my favorite shows, General Hospital. And of course, the one that started it all for me is the B-Movie cast with the late, great Vince Rotolo. All of those shows and the ones that I've mentioned prior to that, they can all be found on iTunes as well as other podcasting apps. So make sure you check those ones out because they're really good and they're really inspiring and informative. Okay, let me just give you a brief explanation as to what we're all about here at the Then Is Now podcast. When my son and daughter were born, I felt the need to catch them up on all the cool things that they missed out on. Horror movies, sci-fi, drive-in movie theaters, classic rock and roll 
classic TV shows, all kinds of stuff. Now they're teenagers, and they get all the references that are made on modern programs. But sadly, there are a lot of kids out there who don't. There are a lot of kids, for example, who don't know who Fonzie is, or Elvis Presley, or they never heard of a horror TV host or drive-in movie theater. It's up to us as the reigning generation to make sure that these things aren't lost and forgotten. You know, horror movies didn't start with Scream, okay? And just because something's black and white doesn't make it bad. I mean, you and I know that, but the kids don't know that. Good music and good movies are good no matter when they were made. Superheroes like Superman and Batman, they were created in the 1930s and they're still making movies and TV shows and comic books about those characters. So the kids need to know about all the stuff that they missed out on. There's a lot of great stuff out there that they will enjoy. You just got to expose them to it. So if you're a parent or a guardian of a young person, please get them to listen to the show with you. Maybe trap them in the car for a long ride or something and... And, you know, after a while, they'll start to enjoy it. You know, we're going to have tons of fun here. We may even do a lot of cool stuff like flashcards and quizzes. Just stuff to keep the kids up to speed on all the great pop culture that's out there and that they missed out on. This is stuff they should know. You know, they don't have to have seen all the episodes of Happy Days like you and I did. But they should at least know who Fonzie is. Let's, um, let's get ready because... I'm going to be introducing my co-host, Spency Dompiece, who is part of the younger generation. He's going to give us his take on pop culture of the past and how it relates to the present. And who knows, you just might learn a thing or two. So if you want to contact us and you want to respond to our uh, show here, our email is thenisnow42 at gmail.com. And if you can tell me where 42 comes from, uh, we may have a prize coming your way. Then is now 42 at gmail.com. Also, you could call and leave us a voicemail at 207-619-2889. That's 207-619-2889. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. You can also catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash then is now podcast. So sit back and enjoy the show. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fight! Hey, you in my class? Oh, yeah, I'm today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo -woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, hey, Dick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance oh. bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play, and have fun now.
Okay, we're back here on Then Is Now, the first episode. I hope everyone's excited. We're going to learn a lot of fun stuff. We're going to do a lot of cool things here on the show. And um, today, as you could tell from the music, we're going to talk about Godzilla. As you know, Then Is Now is a podcast about pop culture from the past and how it relates to the present. And, you know, off off mic, I was just telling um, my co-host here, who I'll introduce in a second, that, you know... The show is about pop culture, but illustrating to kids stuff that they should know. This is crap that, you know, if you say to a kid, hey, remember when Fonzie did this? You know, they may not remember it, but they should at least know who the heck Fonzie is. So, um, my co-host today is Spency Dome Piece, and he's got his own cool YouTube page. And uh, we're going to have some fun today talking about Godzilla. Now, we're going to talk about the original Godzilla from 1954. And we're going to talk about the remake from 2014. Because as of this recording, we've got a new one coming out from Toho uh, in October of 2016. As well as another one coming from Legendary Pictures. And uh, Godzilla just keeps going. So, welcome aboard, Spency Dome Piece. How you doing? I'm all right, Rigor. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm enjoying this. I'm I'm getting pumped. I'm getting pumped. I'm especially I for this Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. I so, know exactly how you feel. Why don't you give us your contact information or uh, what you've got going on and your website and all that stuff? Uh, well, the best way to really contact me is through YouTube. You can look me up, Spency Dome Piece. It's a very simple uh, title. Um, I try to do mostly gaming stuff, things like that, and I'm a huge fan of Godzilla and older. Things like that, mostly stuff from the 70s and 80s is really where I stand. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Don't follow me in real life is all I ask. <laughs> Excellent. And it should be noted that Spency Dome Peace is only 15 years old. Yeah. Am I embarrassing you by saying that? No, honestly, I'm kind of proud to enjoy this stuff and still be like young because so many people I know of my age group like have an idea of what some of this stuff is but they can't actually relate to it because they don't have any interest in it besides what they know no all right here's a good question do you think this is because times are different like when i grew up monster movies were on tv all the time you had horror movies you had exposure to godzilla with the creature features and all that stuff do you feel that it's harder like even though it's out there it's harder for your generation to know that something cool exists because it's not in their face? I think there's a level of interest. Like, you could not generally be interested in the kaiju movies but be interested in something else, which is totally, like, normal. But there's also the level of you have the internet at your fingertips most of the time. So you can go and find it whenever you want. It's just they never feel the need to do it. When you, like, didn't have that, you only got what was shown to you. So when it was shown to you, you took took what you could get. So I think there is a difference in technology, of course, times changing, and it really kind of depends upon the person to search this stuff out or the parent to kind of explain it to them. That's what happened with me. That's why I'm so into this. So yeah, I think there really is some difficulty to find this different stuff, and also because it's considered uncool to be into like older things and stuff like that. If it's old, it's not cool, it's out of touch and it's if it's black different. and white, there it has no merit according yeah, to Yeah, there's this no generation. there's no merit to anything that comes out before the year 2000, 2010, somewhere around there. It's actually kind of sad in my opinion. See, and 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 that's where I differ because I don't listen to much music past 1990, so 
I've always had an interest in kind of all kinds of music. It's like really just kind of what appeals to me. I listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mostly classic rock from the 80s and things like that. So I am a majority of living in the 20th century, but there is some 21st century that I have found that is not inherently horrible. Well, that's good. That's good. And that's the whole point of the show is that um, Spency Don't Peace is going to expose us to modern stuff and we're I'm going to expose you to older stuff and we may get another co-host or two along the way and we'll have some fun. Um, Spency, did you give out your YouTube page? Yeah, it's Spency Don't Peace. It's very simple. Okay. And that's S-P-E-N-C-Y space space D-O-M-E like a dome head mm-hmm. piece. Okay. Yep. And peace as in, like, a gun, not as in, like, uh, like world not peace. killing. Isn't that ironic? I just thought of that. The word peace <laughs> yeah. is word for a gun, but yet peace means, oh, you know, no violence. Lack wow. of violence and then a symbol of violence. That's I think I just, I just rocked somebody's world out there. So whoever's listening, if I've rocked your world, you can contact us. Um, okay, so today we're talking about Godzilla. Now, this is uh, something that's been around since 1954. Uh, Spence, do you want to give us a, a brief rundown on Godzilla? Um, yeah, the first Godzilla film ca- came out in 1954, and that was just after uh, the Americans had completely leveled Nagasaki and Hiroshima through atomic bombs. So that was still fresh in the Japanese mind, and Godzilla at the time was just an allegory for all the all the craziness, all the human struggles that that came along with those atomic bombs. And eventually it kind of differed from that whole little allegory and turned into this little franchise through the years of just him actually more becoming the monster that people that the Americans actually perceived him as. So it it has altered its way every year. I say it came out in 1954. By 1955 it was in America and we just kind of I don't know, kind of adopted it in our own little way and the Japanese have have accommodated for that and things like that. They've done so much more and it's been a, like a progression of the times. If you watch the movies from 1954 all the way through 2014, you can see how the different times, the different styles, the different haircuts and the different versions of Godzilla kind of are shown, especially with Godzilla's behavior because they make him more, more and more human as it keeps going. So... That's really where he and, goes. You know, that's something that sort of I've seen as a criticism of Godzilla is uh, the anthropomorphizing of the monsters. You know, a lot of people that watch these movies, they don't like it when the monsters express human behaviors. Like, uh, you know, Godzilla and Angelus defeat a bad guy and they high-five each other. Uh, people kind of, they cringe at that sort of thing. What do you think about that? Uh, something like that is a little crazy. Like, that, when it's a, a directly human such as, like, a high five, I think that is, can be very cringy. But when it's, like, say they defeated um, the Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, and they kind of just look at each other as mutual friends and kind of part off that, I can appreciate a bit more. And also it's, um like, within the lore of, God, of Godzilla, he was irradiated, so for all intents and purposes, it could have been affected his brain, too made him more human, something like that, something to learn. He's seen us since he's destroyed more than half of Tokyo uh, all through the decades. So there's different explanations and different reactions you could have to how the monster's behavior is. Right, and and that's something that I'll I'll bring up in a little bit um, concerning the new movie 
Now, all right, let's start with the original movie, 1954. Like you said, we're... World War II was fresh in everyone's mind, especially those in Japan, and that was sort of how we ended the war. Um, so we've got uh, this movie that comes out, and Godzilla is just sort of this force of nature that wades through the cities and destroys everything in its path. And it, it, like you said, it's it's an allegory for the nuclear war. Um but to bring it to America, they had to change it. They had to add in Raymond Burr, who was famous as Perry Mason here, and um, sort of make it something that the Americans could identify with. And it became a huge hit over here. It, it was, you know, no pun intended, it was gigantic, this movie. They just made this movie because it was a cool story and it was an allegory, and we took it and were like, wow, this is like a cool giant monster. Do you think there's a strange dichotomy between the way the Japanese perceived it and the way the Americans perceived it when it first came out in, in 54 in Japan and 55 here? There's definitely a large gap between the views of it because the Americans were victorious in World War II. They felt proud. So when the giant monster movie came out, that's what they saw. They didn't think from the Japanese perspective. When the Japanese released it, they saw all the fear and all the pain and all the human struggle that came with all the nuclear radiation and Godzilla was a manifestation of that. So there were two different like looks of it and in comparison I think they're both equally good movies in their own way and there's different varying levels of how people perceived it at the time and now. Right and what, what Spencer is referring to is um, if you get the DVD of Godzilla from 1954 you can watch the Japanese version and the American version. And they're vastly different. We watched them recently, and the Japanese version is, I don't want to say it's a downer, but it's its very dark and almost depressing. You know, the way the way Godzilla kind of comes in, and, and, and like the song says from Blue Oyster Cult, he just wades through the city to the center of town, and he just lays waste to everything in its path. And in the Japanese version, you kind of you see that and you feel for the people and I think there's like a romantic subplot that's kind of lost in the American version. What did you think when you watched the two of them? Now you had already, had you seen the Japanese version before we, we did this podcast or? Yes, I have seen both the American version and the Japanese version of the 1954 Godzilla film. And, and um, growing up, what was your opinion of that? I've always had a taste for the Japanese version, honestly, because the Japanese version told a greater human story, and I think it was a lot more involving with the story and with Godzilla and his humongous size and his complete, like, um, what's the word, his sudden appearance out of nowhere and how the people reacted. And the American version, in the beginning, it started off with the American men in Tokyo in like after Godzilla had like destroyed the city, and it kind of backtracked and did a lot of flash forwards and flashbacks which kind of confused me as a child and looking back on it it's still rather confusing so i think the americans just wanted to make it a creature feature where the japanese really tried with the story and things like that and i think it brought a more authenticity with the japanese film so i've always had a partiality to that over the american version Right, because in the Japanese version, the whole opening sequence is sort of a parallel to something that happened in real life, where a, a boat was destroyed when there was atomic testing in the South Pacific, and they didn't know what happened, and it just sort of, the whole scene parallels what really happened, 
And it was really disturbing and distressing. And I think in real life, it was, you know, that times a thousand. It's funny that you what you had said um, about watching the American and, and the original. Of course, when you watch the Japanese version, it's subtitled. We watched it with um, uh, a couple of my stepchildren. And I didn't think they would watch it because it was subtitled. And they sat through it and they loved it from beginning to end. So parents and guardians, if you're out there and you're watching this, don't be afraid to show your kids a subtitled movie. I know this is an aside and we're off topic, but it, you know, if it's good enough, it's good enough. If it's good music, if it's good movie, they'll like it. You know, you just and gotta throw it out there and let them see it for themselves. And with the level of um, effects, this is one thing that I've a complaint I've heard is that pe- uh, modern kids don't like uh, an older film because the effects are bad, and like it just makes them angry. Well, the thing with Godzilla is down through the ages, as long as it's been made by Toho, traditionally it was like a guy in a suit. So the effects like have always looked very realistic, even from the 1954 version. In both the American and the Japanese version, I saw like very, very good like portrayals of a destruction all through the city, fires all over the place. Then some things you could obviously tell were fake, but when Godzilla was just like bitch slapping the the buildings essentially it was very 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 real right so i like that and all right now that you've mentioned the american version we'll talk about that a little bit uh should we bring up the 1998 matthew broderick godzilla or uh i I know you you like that film admit i have yes i have (laughs) i did enjoy it i didn't think it was an excellent godzilla film but as just a giant monster matthew broderick film it really wasn't inherently a bad movie Right, they they probably should have just not called it Godzilla because it, uh, it didn't even look like Godzilla. It really it wasn't Godzilla, but if you it's actually amusing because I've looked into this. Uh, if you look at the lore and you watch Godzilla Final Wars, which is um, the ni- the fiftieth anniversary came in two thousand four. Yeah, multiple monsters were there. That nineteen ninety four version of Godzilla was in there. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think like bec- if it since they they did it so well that. Uh, it just sort of worked its way into the uh, the lore of Godzilla, and as a movie, wasn't that great. But for the for the diehard fan like me, I I enjoyed it because it was a part of everything, and it was happening all at the same time with monsters appearing all over the place. Although it did not seem like that at all. So, all right, here's a question: Being 15 years old and being a diehard Godzilla fan as you are, do you find that? Um, how do I phrase this? Do you find that you're trying to reconcile the continuities together, or does it matter? You know, personally, myself, I'm a guy that grew up with comics in the 70s and 80s. I'm a continuity nut. I I love continuity. I watch the Universal horror films, and some of them drive me crazy because they they didn't know we'd be watching them. You know, 40, 50, 60 years later. Do you find yourself as you know a modern day young person? worrying too much about continuity like like you were saying how all right the american godzilla from 98 that's considered part of canon because it appeared in the toho version of godzilla final wars is that a concern for you or do you just sort of roll with it and you know it is what it is i do a little bit of both i mean i am quite the same i love continuity i love when things kind of connect very well so in the beginning toho obviously didn't plan on godzilla becoming as big as it is now so with that, I think 
as through the years, you can kind of tell when they started to notice, hey, this may actually have some future possibilities. Let's put something in here so it could work like that. And I, I love when they do that. And if they don't do that, I can, I can deal with it because the mindset was, oh, there's not going to be any more. So it's a, it's a level of balancing both your disbelief and your, your, uh, your belief in what is actually happening with the lore. Especially one example is Godzilla size. Godzilla size is very inconsistent, but the general consensus is he's roughly around 300 feet tall. Because if you watch King Kong versus Godzilla, King Kong is traditionally only 60 feet tall, which is a humongous already, but compared to a 300 foot tall Godzilla, he would essentially not survive against Godzilla whatsoever. So there's lots of inconsistencies all over the place, but certain things can be forgiven. If there's major story plot holes, then I have a problem, but other than that, there's really not been much problem between me and the continuity of the Godzilla movies and all that. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so let's talk about the films. Um, the original Godzilla was directed by Shiro Honda, mm-hmm. and um, it was a Toho production. They went on to make, what, like 27, 28 Godzilla movies after that. Um, Shiro Honda, it, um, Ikira Ifakubi, I could be screwing up his name, he did the music. And um, all the special effects guys, they sort of were a team for several years. And... You know, even though Godzilla sort of grew and evolved and became hero to the children, almost like Gamera, um, they worked together for about a decade, I think even more. And Godzilla continued on, and then you know would go away for a while, came back again, and what Godzilla in 1985? That was a big release over here, didn't do very well. And you had three iterations or three periods of Godzilla. There was what the the Showa series. The hazy. Yes, there was the the shower series was roughly roughly the fifties well into about the sixties or seventies, and then the high sea series was roughly the eighties into the nineties, and a small halfway about the seventies. I think seventy five was the marking point, and from Godzilla two thousand up until I would say Final Wars is probably right. That's I would the say millennium. Final Wars. So that's the Millennium series, right? Because they came out with like at least four to five movies within that span of like four years Uh, because Godzilla 2000 came out in 1999 in Japan right so there's roughly five years worth of Godzilla movies there and there's a you can actually tell the differences between the Godzilla in the three different series so there's different ways to look at it they could be reimaginings they could be direct have to do with each other because roughly the end of the Shower series was roughly Godzilla Oh, what? I'm sorry, Destroy All Monsters. Destroy All Monsters really kind of marked the end of it because that's the way Japanese storytelling is. It's They go through the story, then they have the grand send-off right. and things like that. So I'm very interested in Japanese culture, so that's really where I know that from. And so they kind of like know that Godzilla is still a good marketing point, so they kind of restart him periodically, and that's really how the system goes with him. Right. I believe in, um, what was it, 2010 was when Final Wars came out. They kind of said... Was it 2010? Oh, it was, it was 2004. 2004. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Yeah, 2004, they kind of said, okay, we're taking a break. We're giving it 10 years. Because then in 2014, which was almost exactly 10 years later, they came out with the American Godzilla. And I think they kind of, they kind of took that time to sort of reinvent it, talk to the Americans, let's see what we can do with effects and that sort of thing. But, you know, when you go back to the originals... 
and the the detail and the work that went into the models and the cities and everything you know you could just be a modern person and look back and poo-poo the old films because oh the effects are bad but there was a lot of creativity and a lot of skill that went into making those films to make you the audience member believe that this was happening mm. you know and, and so again all right from a young person's perspective how do you approach that when you do watch the older Godzilla films and maybe you show it to a friend? Do you cringe while they're watching it or are you like, you know, do you defend it and champion the films or how does that go? I think it depends on the film because like I said before, the uh, whole effect system is the guy in the suit destroying the models of the city. But even back in 1954, there were a lot of good scale like um, scenes where you saw the normal person running down the street and Godzilla in the background and it looked like he was absolutely ginormous. And I remember watching that thinking, that is a really cool way to do that. Because I've always been analytical of films like that. So when I do show a friend a film like that, I say, forgive the bad effects, but try to appreciate all the major cool effects that really did happen. Because there are actually like monsters going at each other, guys in suits, half like going one-on-one, -on -one. and then when you watch a new movie, it's all mostly CGI and things like that, and it all depends on how it looks. I think it all depends on the really the scale. That's what I love about Godzilla, is how big he is in comparison to us, and how angry he is. So I think does the level of the effects just make it good and can make it bad. They make or break the film, essentially, right. in a way. And, and that sort of leads us to the story points of Godzilla kind of being this force of nature, rather than simply this giant monster that you know, plays baseball with villains and tosses them around. He's he's an allegory again. And so that leads us to the remake in 2014, uh, which starred Brian Cranston, who played Joe Brody. You know, to me, he'll always be the father from Malcolm in the Middle. Um, but he's hugely famous for the, movie, uh, the TV show Breaking Bad. And uh, he's been in tons of stuff lately. He was in Argo. He was in the remake of Total Recall. He was in John Carter, Kung Fu Panda 3, you know, tons of stuff. Um, but he plays Joe Brody, who's a nuclear scientist who, through a series of tragedies, uncovers the fact that there's more than just earthquakes going on in Japan. And as we know, it's sort of similar to the film that came up prior to this Pacific Rim, where there are these giant monsters that are just sort of appearing and um, attacking the Earth. Um, you've also got Aaron Taylor Johnson, who plays Ford Brody, his son, and uh, Ford is sort of a kid when the mother uh, is killed in these... Uh, I don't want to say she was killed in the earthquake. It was a, because of the earthquake, there was a mishap at the nuclear power plant that they worked at, right? The there was a nuclear meltdown, and the wife was stuck inside of the, um, of the compound before they, they could finally get her out and seal it off to, so as not to let the radiation get out and spread across all of Japan. Right. So it gives you something to relate to as an audience member where Brian Cranston's character is, is upset that the wife has been killed and he sort of becomes obsessive about these earthquakes that he's seen. He's been following this pattern. He knows there's something more to this than just a simple earthquake. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, so Aaron Taylor Johnson, as we said, plays his son Ford. He, you know, he was a British guy in real life. Oh. He's not an American guy. Yeah. He was in a bunch of British TV films. Uh, his first American film... You're going to laugh. He was in Shanghai Nights. Oh, my he, God. He played the young Charlie Chaplin. Oh, Remember wow. that scene? I loved that movie. <laughs> and uh, he was in a few other movies, but you might remember him for the movie The Illusionist with Edward Norton. Mm -hmm. He played um, 
he played a young version of Edward Norton's character. Uh, Eisenheim, I think, was the character. Ah. And you're going to laugh. <laughs> he was in something else that you've seen recently. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. He was Quicksilver in The Avengers. Oh, wow. Yeah, my notes, I wrote WTF. <laughs> I'm like, what? So that was pretty cool. And, of course, Ken Watanabe uh, plays Dr. Serizawa, who's a character from the original film. That was something I really did enjoy when I noticed that. I watched the original uh, Japanese film, and it was Dr. Serizawa was the, one of the main characters. And then up, the, up in the new one, 2014, Dr. Serizawa, I noticed that almost instantly. Now, Serizawa, in the original film, he didn't want them to kill Godzilla, right? In the original film, uh, the Japanese. no. He did not want to kill Godzilla. He wanted to uh, study it, bring it into the Japanese government, and see what would happen with, with it. Where did it come from? Why does it exist? What's going on? Right. Yeah, in this one, it was different. He, he didn't behave that way. He was just sort of the scientist who was there, and he was cool and everything, but I don't recall him being a big force in the, in the storyline like in the original. In the, um, in the new one... Uh, Godzilla, there was a different kind of storyline. Godzilla kind of disappeared in 1954. He appeared, and essentially what happened was the nuclear testing was actually them trying to kill him. And ultimately he disappeared. And so Serizawa kind of knows all that history, and he's been monitoring something else that's been, that caused all the earthquakes and things like that. So he, yes, wants to study it, but he's also, because of Godzilla back in 54, he is not unwilling to kill the creature if it's a threat to humanity. Right. Now, Ken Watanabe, who plays Dr. Serizawa in the new one, in the 2014 version of Godzilla, he was also in The Last Samurai, um, Cirque de Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. Um, He played Saito in Inception. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. And he was also the fake Ra's al Ghul in the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Oh, yes. Remember how it turned out? Liam Neeson was really Ra's al Ghul. Yes. Um, I always get him confused with Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, who was in a ton of stuff, including Mortal Kombat. So um, I don't know why. I, every time I see Ken Watanabe, I think he's Carrie Hiroyuki, and I'm like, no, that's not him. Uh, we've also got the wife. Now you're gonna laugh about this. Uh, what's his name? That what was the son's name? Do we say uh, Ford? His wife is played by Elizabeth Olsen. She's L. Brody. She played the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers and the Captain America films. Wow. Because so. when we were watching that, I was like, I know her. I know her from somewhere. She looks so familiar to me. And then that's why I realized. Oh, okay. So a lot of like, different, a lot of uh, similarities between the Marvel movies and the Godzilla movies. Yeah. Nowadays. There's some interesting casting going there. Like and uh, the last one here that I, I can think of is uh, Juliette Binoche was Brian Cranston's wife who dies, as we said at the beginning. She was famous for being in The English Patient. She was the nurse that nurses Ray Fiennes' character and. Uh, the English patient, he relates the story about why he got burnt and it's World War II. It's it's really good, but it it's a long and slow movie and it's it's for another podcast another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, getting back to Godzilla 2014, comparing it to the original now, okay, 1954, you've got the original. 2014, how many years is that? I have, I have an English degree, so. 60 years. 60 years, Okay. 60 years, and they're still making Godzilla films, mm-hmm. still putting it out there. People are still flocking to the theaters to see it. Do you think, do you find, I should say, that the American 2014 remake had the same kind of impact as the original film? 
I think it had as big an impact, but a different impact. Because as of now, they all know Godzilla is no longer an allegory. He's a giant monster. But what the new movie did that other movies or other later Godzilla Toho films have kind of failed to reproduce is the human factor in it is that it's the the guy who's struggling against it, trying to keep his family together and still ultimately somehow involved with Godzilla and the, all the governments of the world. And I think they really did a good job because all in all, Godzilla only had roughly eight to ten minutes of screen time on the actual movie. That in, is not a lot of time. In the for, 2014 version? Yes, for any, anyone to be on screen. And he That's was the main point. That was something very... Uh, very interesting. I remember. I forget where I heard this, but um, this. But the main the main human character of the 1954 version came in and said to his female co-star, "said I'm the star of the film." And the director kind of laughs at him and goes, "No, Godzilla's the star." And that was something <laughs> I liked about the 1954 version was that there was a lot of Godzilla, a lot of action, a lot of destruction. That was really what the film was based around. Where the 2014 is more human and more. Like, monsters are there and us trying to perceive that they still exist and could step on us at any point in time. So there's definitely different impacts of how it went down. And so it's all in how you look at it. I personally love the destruction. So with the little time, as Godzilla finally got on the screen near the end of the film, I was <laughs> cheering. But other than that, I enjoyed the whole story and what was really happening all throughout the movie with the humans. And, and there were so many moments in the 2014 remake that you were waiting for. You were waiting for him to use his atomic, atomic breath. You were waiting for, you know, there was that one moment when like, as we said, Arcade, in the original film, Godzilla is a force of nature and he's, he's kind of a bad guy. I mean, he's, he's pissed at humanity for you know, doing all this... Um, atomic testing and whatnot and, and destroying cities and stuff. So he becomes this force of nature that comes out and starts destroying. Um, down through the, the decades, Godzilla's sort of become a joke. He's become hero to the kids, like we said. And But in this one, in the 2014 American version, he comes out, he's fighting, you know, uh, in this one there are other monsters for him to fight. It's not just him destroying cities. And there's a moment when um, the human character, I, oh, I'm so bad with the character names here, the, um, when, when Ford is on the bridge and he's looking up and Godzilla just kind of like stumbles and grabs the bridge for support and he just kind of looks down, he glances down at Ford, almost like he's glancing at us, the audience member, the audience members, knowing he's in the film and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to take care of this. And then he turns and, and gets into it with the monsters. And I like that. I loved that. Because growing up, I always loved Godzilla as a good guy. Um, do you think that that has an impact? I mean, all right. First of all, when you watch these films, there's what we call willing suspension of disbelief. You have to pretend that giant monsters are real. Once you get past that hurdle, you can enjoy the film. Do you think kids today who watch these kind of movies are able to do that sort of thing? Are they able to kind of put their disbelief aside? and? Uh, people watch the Marvel movies. I think there's a lot of disbelief that can be put aside. If you ever seen The Incredible Hulk, it's just as crazy as giant monsters roaming around all over the world. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of easily able to suspend your disbelief for the fact that these creatures exist. And it just... I think it's also about the visuals, is that it's so visually stunning to see that this creature is in the same like 
10 feet of Ford Brody. So it's that it, it makes you want to believe that these things are real more than they actually are. So I think there is good amount of suspension disbelief and easy, easily to be, excuse me, easily able to suspend your disbelief because of the, all the science behind it and how animalistic that everything that kind of happens is, which is very, very natural. In this movie, Godzilla is, in fact, the epitome of a force of nature. He actually, the monsters he's fighting are actually, the monsters are more of a threat than he is. He just kind of comes out and sees them as prey and kind of doesn't really think much about us. We're kind of the ants creating our own anthills. He doesn't give any cares to our anthills, but he cares that these other creatures will not survive. Right. So, All right, so uh, let's wrap this up. I think we have a, a good conversation here about the Godzilla films and the fact that they're still relevant today. I mean, we've got the new Toho version coming out pretty soon for us, at least as of this recording. It's Godzilla Resurgence, or they often call it um, Shin Godzilla. And what's cool is the trailer, they play all the original Godzilla music, so you, us Godzilla fans are getting all excited, and mm -hmm. you know the mm -hmm. hair in the back of your neck stands up. But then they're also doing, the Americans are doing Skull Island, and they're doing a sequel to the 2014 Godzilla, supposedly leading up now to a remake of King Kong versus Godzilla. What do you think of that, Spency? Honestly, if they do it right... Be that I'd be excited because, as we all know, the original King Kong story is Skull Island. He gets, uh, ends up getting taken to New York, ultimately to be shot down by the planes with the Empire State Building. If they do Skull Island correctly, they may not have to kill off, kill him off. And if it does take place in the Godzilla universe with the Mutos, the other monsters, and him, I think it could be really, really, really cool. And there's also talk of you heard of Pacific Rim, the giant kaiju's and the giant robots. Pacific Rim 3 is kind of the director Guillermo del Toro wants to make a crossover between that and Godzilla. So Godzilla is kind of spreading out and branching out in like two different places because we have Shin Godzilla, who is a totally different Godzilla, and this new American Godzilla who has his own diff kind of style and things that wants to happen. So I think there's a lot of area for crossovers and things like that and just kind of gorgeous monster fights that I really want to see. <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, some of the complaints about the remake is the amount of screen time of the monsters. Like you said, there was, what, just eight minutes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and In an hour and 40? Or no, it's almost two hours. Yeah, right? the Godzilla film is actually two hours, something like that is. Yeah. 138 minutes, so that's two right. hours and 18 minutes. Good heavens. 210 of those is not Godzilla. Right. And it's all well and good. You know, we want to identify with the human characters. We want to be involved in the storyline. But we also want to see giant monsters kicking each other's butts. Yeah, I th I'm hoping that that's something they'll do in the later, um, the later sequels. That's something Pacific Rim did really well. Was you like you had the human element, but it was just like giant creatures duking it out, which is really what I always wanted to see in a Godzilla film. I didn't see it as much as I would love to, but I think they captured Godzilla really well. So I'm willing to forgive it for now. But I'm hoping that in sequels he'll have at least a bit more grand fights among all across the world. And one of the more iconic scenes that you said we were waiting for was when the giant wave comes up and nearly engulfs the city before Godzilla even shows himself. That kind right. of grand gesture are the things that I want to see more of in the entire um, line of movies that are to come. Right, right. So, Spency, being a young person, as you are, and, um, you know, you won't be long for long. We're the young ones. Please no. don't remind me. <laughs> Referencing an old British comedy, The Young Ones. 
because uh, we may not be the young ones very long. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I promise not to sing again uh, much. Thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, no, well, being a... Uh, are you a millennial? What's your generation? Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm a millennial. I was born in 2001, okay. so I was so considered that So, you're considered a millennial. All right. What do you say to young people your age and or parents and guardians of those people where... Where should they start? If they say, hey, you know what? I kind of like this. I like what they're talking about, this giant monster thing. Where do I go? Well, what I would do is I wouldn't point them to the most modern movies. The, the newest one, you shouldn't definitely not start with that. Um, Why is that? Because cause once again, it's the level of the effects. Like p The kids grow up knowing these grand, great effects that come with every single movie. You watch something with less than that, they get really, really angry and they kind of start to be hateful towards the older movies where in fact the older movies were the inspiration for all those newer things. So I think you should start with something a bit older, something like Destroy All Monsters with the with the human struggle and the monsters hashing it out in the streets and it would like it kind of introduces them to the to the level of not so great effects but still cool giant monsters fighting. So you have all like the best of like all three worlds and then you can kind of introduce them to these newer movies and things like that and they can make their final decision ultimately but as long as they can sit down appreciate a movie for what it is they don't have to like it but they have to accept that it's a good movie is really where you want to like put your child or, or put yourself in that kind of position you want to be able to appreciate everything before you make any kind of judgment call from right. seeing something that's barely anything part of the movie well, that's just it. I mean, that's like trying to get people who watch Doctor Who today who've never seen the old shows to go back and watch them. It's it's very difficult. Like, I grew up with them. You you kind of grew up with them, to, so to speak. And, um, you know, in the old days, it was story over effects because there weren't a lot of budgets to go around. There wasn't a lot of great effects. It's even though every movie and TV show strive to make it as believable as possible, but nowadays with these computer effects where you can kind of fake things, you've got something like Jurassic Park where they th – that's sort of the perfect blend of practical effects and computer effects where you can't tell that the T-Rex was really two parts and they used computers to seam it together into one monster. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, and it, there has to be an appreciation of these things. And I think there is a culture out there that's spawning with these podcasts and, and whatnot where – we're trying to expose people to the stuff that they may or may not be exposed to. Like we said at the beginning of the show, times have changed. The TV watching is different. A lot of people just watch stuff online, and it's a matter of seeking this stuff out and showing it to them. Mm -hmm. So, all right, well, thank you very much for joining us this episode, Spency. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'll talk about Godzilla with anyone. Cool. And uh, as you know, this is not a giant monster podcast, although we could go on and on about that. And we will come back to giant monsters at some point. Um, this is Then Is Now. And we talk about all the cool stuff that you may or may not have missed out on. All the cool stuff that maybe you should know. Even as an adult, there are adults that don't know certain things from the past that, you know, you got Elvis and Fonzie and John Wayne and all kinds of fun stuff that we're going to talk about in the future. And we're going to have a lot of fun stuff coming up, too. We're going to have... Um, we're going to have giveaways. I don't want this to be like school, but we're going to have quizzes and not tests, but we're going to have like, it's a learning thing, right? Wouldn't mm -hmm. you say? And Yeah. 
Yeah, I think everyone should at least be able to learn, know the general idea of what everything that kind of happened is. If you make some kind of major reference, I don't know how many times in school I've made great Ghostbusters references at perfect times, <laughs> and only two people have looked at me with a grin on their face knowing what I'm talking about. And probably one out of the two is a teacher, so... More often than not, yes. Right. <laughs> More often than not. So why don't you uh, give us your contact info and your YouTube page and all that stuff? Uh, once again, my YouTube page is probably the best way to contact me, Spency Domepiece, S-P-E-N-C-Y space Domepiece, D-O-M-E-P-I-E-C-E. -E -E. My Twitter and my Instagram are up on my channel right there, so you can go find that. I like to post gaming videos and stuff, and hopefully I'll get to do more things like this and discussing movies and stuff like that. So check me out, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, and don't follow me in real life. <laughs> awesome. And uh, if you want to call and leave us a message, our number is... 207-619-2889. That's Then Is Now podcast. 207-619-2889. You can also email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. And if anyone knows where the number 42 comes from and you want to let us know, uh, maybe we'll have a prize for you. So uh, why don't you send that our way? It's thenisnow42 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to episode one of Then Is Now. We're only going to get bigger and better from here. We're going to have lots of fun. And we're going to learn lots of things. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two as well. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. We're glad you could join us for episode one of the Then Is Now podcast. We hope you'll share this with your family and friends, and in particular, the young people in your life. I'm Rigor. Thanks once again for joining us. If you want to send us feedback, you can do it via the following. You can email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 207-619-2889. And finally, you can reach us through facebook.com slash thenisnowpodcast. Join us in the conversations on what we're talking about, and let's spread the word about all this cool pop culture stuff that these kids have missed out on. On our next exciting show, Spency Domepiece and I are going to talk about the original 1987 Robocop and the 2014 remake. So class, your homework assignment is to watch the original Robocop and the remake, and come back for episode two. I am Rigor, and I am Audi 5000. Class dismissed. It's not a tumor.